welcome to the LTC University podcast. My name is Jamie Preston. I'm your host, and we're here with somebody I just really respect and and uh, I just think the world of, and that is the Chief Quality Officer at SC House Calls, Teresa Eunice. How are you, Teresa? Very good, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you on here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna jump into our topic today, but. Teresa, your background, you are a nurse. You've been a registered nurse for a long time. Kind of give us the the one-minute snapshot of kind of your career and what you've done. So I am a registered nurse, graduated from the Medical University of South Carolina. Um, I have been a registered nurse in nursing homes, um, a director of nurses in nursing homes, an administrator in nursing homes. I've also had the opportunity to work as a nurse and an administrator in the assisted living settings. I have been a hospice nurse, um, actually started Lutheran Hospice and was the first nurse with Agape Hospice. Um, and I've also worked with Palmetto Hospice. So in addition to being a hospice nurse, um, I've had the opportunity to work in a number of different roles. Most importantly, I guess, working with Agape Care um, and being their CEO and having the opportunity through that role to be the board chair for the Carolina Center for Hospice and End of Life, which is a program that serves both uh, South Carolina and North Carolina. Uh, and so now with South Carolina House Calls, I've had the opportunity there to bring my, my cl- clinical experience and expertise back to South Carolina House Calls and Main Street Physicians. Mm, that's great. So you've, you've, you've done a couple things. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And, and Teresa, kind of your newest venture as, as, you know, the chief quality officer, you guys have been working really hard to kind of take SC house calls, um, in, into a kind of a different direction in the last year or so. Um, working on value-based care and, and working on risk adjustment factors. And I'm going to massacre this, but hierarchical condition category, that is just such a mouthful there. Um, you guys have been kind of working on this for a while now. And so for our listeners, let's let's jump right in here. And we've talked a little bit about value-based care on here before, but I, I want to get, get your definition here. What is value-based care? Well, actually, it's when the providers are not paid for the volume. Instead, uh, providers are compensated really on the delivery of collaborative and compassionate clinical care. And they're looking for the outcomes, the Mm. clinical outcomes that a patient has. And you're right, Jamie, the healthcare industry has been replacing the fee-for-service reimbursement with a model based really on excellence in quality, excellence Mm. in clinical outcomes. Really, since the early 2000s, uh, many programs have been moving towards this value-based care system. Um, it is an approach to healthcare that emphasizes measurable outcomes. It emphasizes coordinated care. It emphasizes shared accountability. So in the value-based care systems, we're not looking at the volume of care. Instead, we are looking at the outcome of the care that is delivered to our patients. Yeah, which is definitely different. I think, you know, people, they look at our healthcare systems and you and you have a million different opinions from a million different people. And, and one thing everybody can agree on is that our healthcare system is 
not working as it should. There's, there's, and there's, and it's so big and just expansive that it's almost impossible to make it be perfect, to, to make it perfect. But this is a real great approach because it really focuses on the patient and getting the patient the best health care they need. And, and I think that's one thing I, I just, as I've learned more about value-based care, that's what it's all about. So is house, is SC House Calls and Georgia House Calls and Main Street Physicians moving to that value-based risk adjustment reimbursement? Yes, yes. You know, SC House Calls, Georgia House Calls, Main Street Physicians, are we're, we are proactive, we are progressive, we are patient-centered, um, and so we are making the change towards value-based risk adjustment reimbursement. You know, so it is, you use the hierarchical condition categories, and we're we're really talking a lot with our providers or at right now about our risk adjustment factors and the scores that our patients have. So we are using the hierarchical condition categories and the risk adjustment factors um, to accurately reflect each patient's medical status um, and the, their clinical complexity and their morbidity for care collaboration and for team-based management of their care. Nice. And and give it for, for some listeners that maybe don't know what a risk adjust, adjustment factor is, can you can you explain that and give the the kind of the short answer to that? I think so. <clears throat> so, so uh, let me start with kind of a hierarchical condition category, um, because there's like um, seventy hierarchical condition category where there's like uh, nine thousand um, classifications or ICD-10s. So it, CMS actually implemented the hierarchical condition category about nineteen years ago in two thousand three. The hierarchical condition category or HCC code really is designed to accurately reflect our patient acuity, the severity of the illness, and, and their morbidity. The HCC um, code actually establishes the conditions and the projected need that a particular patients are going to have. And it does this in an effort to predict or to estimate the medical costs for that particular patient for the next year. So the HCC calculates the risk scores that represent the expected medical costs of a Medicare member in the coming year. CMS uses those risk scores, you know, to help to help calculate that. So that's why we're putting so much emphasis on these risk adjustment factors, because we are really seeking um, to have codes that accurately identify our members who have severe or chronic health issues and that we are capturing those diagnoses um, that are classified using the ICD-10s, um, of, of which I just said earlier, there's approximately 9,000 of the ICD-10 codes that are then matched or aligned with the 79 or 80 HCC codes in the CMS risk adjustment model. So based on this information, along with demographic information, such as a patient's age and gender, um, they are giving what, what is considered a risk factor score or a risk adjustment score. Uh, we we t normally talk about that as an RAF score. That RAF score is individual to each patient. 
um, and we want it to accurately reflect the patient's clinical complexity and their morbidity. So then we have the opportunity to really segment our patient population. We have the opportunity to um, look at visit models that would be appropriate for um, patients at higher risk and, and then a visit models that are appropriate for patients at lower risk so that we can ensure there are excellent outcomes for each of our patients. Nice. Um, so, you know, I knew you guys are, you're dedicated, you know, to you know, improved clinical outcomes and, um, a better patient experience and, and at a lower cost, you know, talk a little bit about how you guys are fleshing that out. So I guess one of the things when you talk about a lower cost, as, as a healthcare system, of course, we are dedicated to improved patient outcomes. We have started talking this year um, more intentionally about better patient experience and really then at a lower cost. And so there is a value-based care or a triple aim that we've talked about many times. And the triple aim really emphasizes the quality of services, not the volume of services. So with the triple aim, there are three things. One, improved clinical outcome. Two, better patient experiences. And three, containment of costs. So when we talk about, you know, being dedicated to improved clinical outcomes and a better patient experience at a lower cost, we are really trying to take these three goals and, and, and put a ribbon on them, right, for our patients so that they are the beneficiary of that better mm -hmm. clinical outcome, a better patient experience, and that cost containment. You know, CMS realizes that there's a lot of challenges. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons they they have implemented this risk adjustment factor, you know, really to help reward providers that have better clinical outcomes and um, and really then our expert and our, our experienced experts can can really support the team and provide exactly what we've been talking about for years, that proactive, preventative primary care or palliative care for our patients who, who really are very, very clinically complex and do so in a way that the patient has an excellent experience um, and use our team um, to, to look at this patient and do everything they can to control the costs or contain the costs that, that that patient may experience. So there is that triple aim, but fortunately, you know, it is in alignment with what we have been talking about, about proactive and preventative health care for years now. And we have this team-based care that really allows individuals to bring their expertise and their experience to the table so that they can work with that patient to care for those clinically complex needs, but to also look at ways to contain costs for that individual. And all of us should be focused on that patient experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that's huge to you to make sure that a patient, you know, every individual is getting the experience that they deserve, you know, as a citizen in our country and, and getting that care that they deserve, you know, no matter what their you know, background is. Well, you're right. You're so right, Jamie. And, you know, um, I think that all of us have always, you know, if you're, if we're in, if we're in medicine or, um, we're a clinician, of course, we are already wanting that to be a significant part of who we are, that we have great clinical outcomes and that our patients have a good experience with that. But but this year, CMS has said as part of our five-star 
um, strategy is they have said the patient experience counts for 36% of our wow. quality score. So we can give a tremendous, we can do all a lot of things right, but if we don't capture that in the um, surveys that are sent to our patients, if our patients don't feel like that we are compassionate, that we are caring, that we are providing the appropriate clinical care, that we are doing everything that we can do to contain costs for them, if they don't feel that way or if they feel that way and they fail to complete the survey that comes to them and, and put that survey in the mail, then we're at risk for not being credited with everything that we're trying to do right. Um, so 36% of, of quality score when you're talking about five-star rating is a tremendous amount. And I think that's why you have heard me talk so much this year about um, patient experience. Yeah. Well, I love it because it really, it, it brings people back. It brings providers. It brings medical assistants. It brings everybody that's in healthcare back to really why they got into healthcare because they want to help people. And it, it forces you not to lose sight of that. And I, I, I love that it's 30% of that score. I, I think it's, I think it keeps us focused on what's really important there. I, th I just think that's amazing. Um, and, and you know, Jamie, just yeah. to, it's 36% of the score this year, 36%. Wow. And um, I've heard talk of it moving to 42% next mm. year. Yeah. So the patient experience is a, is a, um, is very real. Um, and we, we're going to talk much more about it in the coming weeks and months. Sure. Absolutely. So CMS scores providers and practices in four different areas. Can you talk about those four different areas and, and how they're scored? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in the Affordable Care Act, um, or ACA, it was, was enacted in 2011. And so it was really in, in incentivizing initiatives to improve quality and, and contain costs. And that was 2011. And then in 2015, many people remember MACRA coming in, and it was also tied to quality and, and to cost. Um, and actually, MACRA began to deny claims that lack diagnoses. Um, and so the four areas that are um, really CMS is scoring our providers and practices on now is really quality, which of course is quality of care, patient experience, safety, care coordination, HCC coding, the cost, because cost mm -hmm. containment continues to be um, one of those triple aims, um, improvement activities, and then interoperability uh, is the fourth one. So really those are the four um, practice areas that uh, CMS is looking at scoring not only individuals, but practices themselves on. Yeah. Now, can you summarize the CMS risk adjustment process? <laughs> you know, Jamie, I'm very, I tend to be very, very simple. And so for when you look at the risk adjustment process, it, it kind of it boils down to there's demographics. Mm -hmm. So again, earlier I think I said the patient's age and their gender, you know, are factored into those into those demographics, um, and then you you add the the diagnoses that that patient has, and we want to make sure that we're capturing every diagnosis 
at its highest specificity because that's what gives us that risk adjustment factor score. So when we talk about summarizing the CMS risk adjustment process, it really is demographics plus diagnoses equals that risk adjustment factor. Um, and, and when we talk about the highest specificity, you know, that's where that hierarchically weighted um, within those HCC categories comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and values are assigned to those HCCs. And then there's a risk factor, uh, risk adjustment factor score um, that is higher. The more sick the patient is, the more clinically complex they are, the higher we anticipate that risk adjustment factor being if we have captured everything appropriately. And those values are cumulative. So as we as we capture those diagnoses at the highest specificity and we align them with those HCC codes, we are looking to see that um, risk adjustment factor increase um, cumulatively as we see their numbers of diagnoses and the severity of those diagnoses increase. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it, it's just a great system, I think, because it gets the patient what they need um, versus on, you know, their severity, their illness, their disease process, all of that. I, I just think it's a great way, um, you know, so that's where it's just, you've got to be accurate. If not, that patient not going to get what they need. Um, for that year. Um, you are so right, Jamie. Yeah. And, you know, moving where we are today is not where we want to be. We, mm-hmm. we anticipate finishing the year much with, a, with, with a much more accurate score of our patients and their clinical risks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're, you're so right, because as you talk about um, being able to look at that team-based management and the management of population health, you know, having a number that you can depend on, um, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, is going to be paramount to us being able to really deliver on that, that triple aim. So that, that excellent clinical care, that excellent patient experience and that cost containment. Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I have, I've been witness to these code books you know, that, that we see this, the, you know, the ICD 10 book, you know, which looks like a massive, it looks like one of the old Bibles that they used that people put on their coffee tables. It just has so much stuff in it. You know, are there really 79 HCC categories and thousands of ICD 10 codes? You know, I think, yeah, there, there really are. So there are, I think 79 HCC categories and I believe, um, 9,000, um, ICD-10 diagnosis codes that can be aligned there. So you are right. Um, and, and it, it is something that, um, there's a plan, there's a process, uh, and, and us just being, um, cognizant of that and mindful of that process and doing everything that we can to accurately capture the information so that we can um, help help make sure that our patients are scored appropriately. And that's really what we're looking for is accuracy and an appropriate representation mm-hmm. of our patients as an individual and our patient population as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I've even heard uh, from people that there's a, a code if you get bit by a squirrel <laughs> in there. I don't, so, I don't know, Jamie. I didn't look that one up. But I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. I haven't looked it up. Oh, man. Well, you know, what are 
what are some of these codes, the most commonly used, commonly reported diagnoses in these codes that you guys are working with? You know, I don't think that's going to be a surprise to anybody. I mean, you know, of course, that chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD, you know, when you look at congestive heart failure, CHF, the cancer, the vascular disease, the um, ischemic heart disease, the heart arrhythmias, of course, in our area, diabetes is huge. Um, strokes, um, rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory diseases, you know, all of those are we're used to hearing. And so those are probably some of the more commonly reported diagnoses mm -hmm. that we're dealing with now. Um, so, I, you know, that's something that every single one of our clinicians is going, yep, yep, and yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you hear the the big ones all the time, you know, you, you know, and those are the ones that we're going to continue to hear. And, you know, until we continue to advance science and continue to advance and, and, and find, you know, cures for some of these things. But um, so what are some of your key takeaways, you know, from all of this, the hierarchical coding and, uh, you know, yeah. all of this? You know, one of the things, Jamie, that I've been impressed with with South Carolina House Calls, Georgia House Calls, and Main Street Physicians is, is that as we've been talking about diagnosis at the highest specificity and risk adjustment factor and hierarchical condition codings, you know, House Calls and Main Street Physicians really has invested a tremendous amount in their medical and clinical leadership. Um, you know, it, I've, I've got to mention the vice president of our clinical services, Brooke Howard, who has not only been a registered nurse for a long time, she is now uh, a nurse practitioner, as is our corporate compliance officer, Janet Danino. You know, Dr. Donato is our chief medical officer. Uh, Dr. Jimmy Williamson's now our, our chief behavioral health officer. David Tichy in, in training and education. Melissa May Engel as, as, as a nurse is our VP of quality. Um, and then we have, of course, our designated uh, nurse practitioners to serve as quality nurse practitioners. Mm. Um, and we have this this new role that was created just uh, months ago, you know, of these regional directors of quality. So there is a tremendous amount of, of support of our clinicians. Um, and we are really seeing an emphasis on a significant investment in our medical and our clinical personnel as we really focus on quality and advance towards those, those uh, goals. You know, but I think the the key takeaway for the hierarchical coding and risk adjustment factors really is is to predict the use of medical services for our Medicare members in the year to come. Um, so we must record all of our primary diagnosis, all of our secondary diagnoses, looking at our comorbidities. You know, the coding assigns the weight to each condition. Mm -hmm. And as we capture these weights and we combine them with the demographic factors, we are able to determine our score. And the higher the score, the more complex the patient, the more serious their condition. Um, and so we we anticipate, we expect, the government expects that that sicker person, that clinically complex person to use more health services. And they expect those health services to result in higher costs in the future. So as a team um, based care organization, we must be really skilled in our ability to capture the missing data. 
And the missing data includes every possible diagnosis. It includes all missing quality measures. Um, we must learn to leverage the innovative technology and layer our resources um, against the needs of our patients so that each patient has the benefit of excellent clinical outcomes and excellent patient experience and for the cost of their care to be contained. Mm, yeah, that's great. Uh, this is such, this is going to be amazing as it continues to develop and you, as things become more accurate and um, as the pro- more, more, more and more providers are trained and, and, and use, utilizing this is going to be a lot better for the outcomes of these patients. Teresa, one last question for you. Uh, it's actually a two-parter. What most excited you about healthcare when you were first beginning in healthcare, when you were um, at, at MUSC getting your nursing license and then launched out into the career field as a nurse? What excited you most then? And the second part is today. You've, you've been through so much. People heard your credentials at the beginning, all the things that you've done. What excites you today? more than anything. So what, what excited you back then when you began and what excited you today? So, you know, Jamie, I think it's, it it may be one in the same. Um, you know, I think the thing that excited me so much back then was having the, the knowledge base to make a positive impact Mm -hmm. on the lives of people, you know, residents of our great state. And so, you know, whether you're helping your your family or your friends or your neighbors or your local community, um, I think that's a that's a tremendous um, positive. And, and I think that that was the thing that excited me, you know, being able to to graduate with this skill set that would enable um, me to positively impact any time of the day anywhere in the world in so many different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think today, as I look at the way, as we move from fee-for-service, as we move to um, value-based care, again, it's the same thing. It's really looking at this, um, the opportunities, and knowing that we want our patients to have uh, great clinical outcomes, knowing that we want them to have positive patient experiences, knowing that we want to do both of those while we're doing everything we can to to contain the cost of their care. Um, again, it's about impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what excites me so much with South Carolina House Calls is we're not impacting one patient at a time. We have the opportunity to positively impact um you know, the residents of South Carolina, of Georgia, the the individuals that are in our clinic. So, you know, it's really population health. And I think that's what's so, um, so exciting today. Mm. I, I love asking this question because what I find from a lot of different leaders is their North Star still hasn't changed. They, it's, it's pretty much the same. It may change a little bit how you flesh it out from the point of view that you're at, the position you're in. But it typically for most leaders that I found is that that question or questions, it stays pretty much the same. It's the, it's the same reason you got into healthcare is the same thing that you're doing. And I love that um, because you definitely have a North Star, Teresa, and, and it's always encouraging to be around you and, and hear from you and and uh, and hear what excites you. So, Teresa, thanks so much for being on the podcast. This has been great. 
and uh, we'll, we'll continue to have you on. I think this is your second time being on here. Um, and uh, we want to hear more from you. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate you and I appreciate all the all of our team members, you know, the layers of, of care that we're able to uh, offer to our those those that we serve, our patients and their caregivers. So thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Visit our podcast website at ltcuniversitypodcast.com. You can also subscribe to one of our other podcasts in our podcast network, The Disruptive Podcast with Scott Middleton, Experiencing Healthcare with Matt Staub, and The Thriving Practitioner Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a great week.